professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Fifi's Rebound. And I am Too Cold Champio. <laughs> Welcome to episode 107, Starcade 1993. Vader's belt. Flair's career. It's, it's all, all on the line. line. I hung my girl out to dry. Can't believe it. <laughs> Can't believe it. She's just now getting over Mean Gene. I know. You're taking care of her, though. It's all right, yeah. My moral support. Good boy. <laughs> this was the 11th annual Starcade, but it was the 10th anniversary, produced by WCW. It would take place on December 27th, 1993, from the Independence Arena in Charlotte, North Carolina. Flair country. Hey, hey. Is that where we're at? Right, let's play country. Right? I do declare. <laughs> With an attendance of 8,200 people. Not too bad. Actually, I think this might be the largest crowd they've had in, in a, while. a while. I mean, we're normally looking at five, six. So it's like two grand over a good show. Over like a good attendance. That's probably why they went to Flair Country. Because <laughs> they can get that kind of crowd. Yeah, Flair Vader, that's a good... If, if that's not drawn, like what, what are we doing? Yeah, you don't have to give away free tickets in Flair Country. Definitely not. But what do they give away in Flair Country? Woos! I don't know. Oh, he queued you up for the food. <laughs> no, what I'm kind kidding. of food do they do? <laughs> there you go. Um, Boiled peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> Boiled peanuts. Yeah, we are uh, in North Carolina. So, of course, I had to do my thing and figure out what the hell people in North Carolina eat. And I found a list of stuff that... Unfortunately, boiled peanuts were not on there. I may not have I'm searched far liar, enough, but <laughs> but what I did find was a uh, a popular item today that was invented in North Carolina. Not necessarily Charlotte, but I don't know necessarily how far Winston Salem is from it's part Charlotte. Of the, it's part of the triangle. Is it? So okay. it literally is like the metro area. Okay, yeah. so all right, we're we're at least in the triangle. So. A popular item today that uh, was started in the great land of North Carolina is none other than Krispy Kreme donuts. Oh, yes. No um, my stomach hurts. Yeah. Never had Krispy Kreme. They are they're light. They're they they are delicious, but they are heavily glazed with a uh, sugary goodness that a lot of people can't contain. Mm-hmm. Sweeter than my. New girlfriend Fifi, <laughs> which is hard to hard to That's believe. Hard to, do. hard to believe. True, I was a not so much a Krispy Kreme fan for the longest time. I worked at a a place that sold them, and I specifically ordered ones that didn't have the glaze on it because it was just a little too sweet for me. But I have found that getting them from an actual Krispy Kreme store as opposed to a gas station or pre-boxed it oh, yeah. at oh, Walmart definitely. is the way to go if you can get them as as fresh from the uh, conveyor belt as possible. Hot off the line. Hot yeah. off the line is the way to go. I think the best one is just like their OG 
glazed because hot off the line, the, yeah. the original yeah. is the best. Because they do like gimmick ones and stuff, and then of course like a cake donut, but they're not a cake donut spot. It's all about the the light and fried and intensely sweet. Yeah, back when I uh, would request a tray of plain cake donuts, I had that. Wait, like plain. Like, nothing on there? Question thrown at me several like times. Cake. Like, making sure that about? I was asking for the right thing. Like, yeah, I want some that don't have the glaze on it because I just want to taste the donut without the sugar. And Yeah, yeah you need some uh, beignet hold the hold the powdered sugar. Exactly. <laughs> what you're looking for. But then I had one that was fresh off the line one time when I uh, drove through Oklahoma City shortly after they opened one of them here. And yeah, I remember when they opened that one, uh, I think I was like, in middle school or early in high school, though, one by Quail Springs Mall. And it was hot shit for a minute. And now yeah. it probably is just yeah. there. Shit. I remember when they probably opened. Probably just hanging out. But it was a big <laughs> deal at the time. I remember when they opened in Tulsa, they they actually hired, off, and it was kind of comical, they hired off-duty police officers to direct traffic. Yeah. Because they, had to do that they were so backed up. Yeah. Like, of all Pretty the funny. things that you can do, you can bribe off-duty <laughs> off police officers to come and work and direct traffic for donuts. Mm-hmm. Good cop, one donut. <laughs> I'm fat, but donuts are, like, my thing that, like, you put a, you put donuts in front of me, I'm probably going to eat about four of them. Oh, yeah. I just love donuts so much. You know what my uh, hot donut take is? That they're a they're bad, bad they're a bad breakfast item. And that a donut should be, like, if you go to, like, a Denny's or, like, you know, just a breakfast spot mm-hmm. that after your meal, it should be served up like a, you know, like, like a, pancakes? like a Silva after your meal, they just bring you like one glazed donut on a, on a small white plate. And that just like, like Silva at a, at a like Mexican spot or Tex-Mex spot, because anytime I eat donuts in the morning, it just like ruins my day. Like if it's the first thing that I ate, it just like burns a hole in my stomach. See, that's why I get donut holes with my donuts, so I can have those, you know, little bites here and there in the oh, morning, okay. and then, yeah. you know, later in the evening after a, a hard day at work when I don't want to, you know, sit down and smoke about it, then mm-hmm. I boom, do. I do love them. I just think that they're a intensely bad breakfast item. Oh, they are. I mean, it's I think that they use a better time for them. And pure it's, sugar. Yeah, it after, gets going, but after then... a meal, it's like it should be treated as a dessert and not a, a coffee accoutrement. So, do you have a favorite donut? <sighs> uh, Boston cream, but with the custard, not the icing, is uh, is up there. Like a, like a Jelly Boy too, or a Maple Long John. Any specific place, Krispy Kreme mm-hmm. or not? I don't know. I I don't know that I've ever had a donut that I was like, no, thank you. Just as long as it doesn't have conve- confectionery coconut on it, I'm. Probably gonna enjoy myself, but not necessarily. I know. Thank you. Is there one that it's like I have to go back and have this one from this place right now? Oh no. Okay. And I'm not a. I don't have a donut spot. Matthew. Oh yeah, I, there's a there's a place that's by my house that chocolate long john. I end up there probably once every couple of weeks. Nice. I, and usually, if I'm up north, like working or something like that. I usually hit up Hertz Donuts. Hertz. Oh yeah, those are the ones where they do like the crazy, the crazy shit. Yeah. stuff. Yeah. Those are always cool, but it's, it's, good, it's even more than good this. good once yeah. every blue moon, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is usually how often I'm working up north. So yeah, fancy, fancy donuts a lot. It's yeah. a little is, well, it's a lot. Yeah. See, as over the top as I am with a lot of stuff, again with my donuts, I'm I'm more plain and simple. Is it plain yeah. Jane? We've got uh, what's it called? Best donuts. 
around the, the corner from my house, and I like to go over there. They open at 5 o'clock in the morning, so oftentimes I'll just wake up early and go over there and get one that's somewhat fresh off of the, uh, or out of the fryer, and I like the old style, like raised ones with cinnamon mm-hmm. and sugar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really good. Delicious. And good with your coffee. Get a little bit of cinnamon exactly. with your bitter coffee. Well, while we're enjoying our donuts, something that happened right around the same time as Starcade, a pair of sequels would be released a couple weeks prior. Mm-hmm. Sister Act 2, the Back in the Habit. Good-ass movie. And Wayne's World 2. Good-ass movie. Would all come out. I feel like people should poo-poo on Wayne's World 2, but it has my two favorite Wayne's World jokes in it. Which, which are? are? Uh, cross the T's and dot the lowercase lower J's. J's and uh, take me, Garth. Where do you want to go? I'm low on gas and you need a jacket. <laughs> are my two favorite jokes from either Wayne's World movie and they're in Wayne's World 2. Wayne's World 2 is good. It was very good. And I think I've seen Sister Act 2 more than Sister Act 1, so in my head it's oh, yeah. better, but it might just be because it was like a cable staples it was just on no, more in in the world of sequels where they talk about how sequels can't be better than their predecessors or it's very hard to be yeah sister act two sister is act two better. is one of the sister act two the is, sister act two is like uh bad boys two to bad boys where it's like oh bad boys two is better guys it's just as better it's just a better movie it is yeah so sister act is, is I mean, like that i believe i don't think wayne's world two is better no. than Wayne's World, but I don't think that it's I don't think that it's bad at all. No. I think that it there's is no so Rob good. Lowe in the second one. <laughs> <laughs> you can no. never go wrong with Rob Lowe. Sister Act Two, I mean you got you got Whoopi in there in her in her prime. Is Lauren Hill in both Sister Act movies? No, she's, she's just, just in, in part two. One. Okay, well maybe that's why it's better. Yeah. We got Miss Lauren Hill in there. No, I mean just any of the music that they throw in in part two I, I still own the soundtrack yep. to this day. Oh really? I just remember being on TV all the time, and it's like, oh, Sister Act 2 is on. I guess I'm watching that. Saw it in the theater a few times, and then, yeah, I, I have to I have to play his eyes on the sparrow every now and then <laughs> when, you know, I need a good cry, because uh-huh. Lauren Hill's voice, even back then, just rips my heart to shreds. Oh, yeah. Crazy how huge the miseducation of Laura Hill was, and how she just disappeared after that completely, basically yeah. forever. But, you know, but... Great album, huge, huge record, and I'm it all that it all really started. Sister Act Three, just because they're doing all these reboots oh, and revivals yeah. and stuff. So. Whoopi's probably just got the kibosh on it. She's like, "Nah, I am good." That's right. I'm pretty Stick sure that Whoopi, Whoopi yeah. come on. If anything, <laughs> oh, I forgot bring, the view even exists. Bring back Lauren Hill for Sister I mean, Act Two. I think Lauren Hill's had a comeback <laughs> or two, but she did like the tax tax uh, evasion stint and whatnot. But you know, oh, is that part? Yeah, of but she did? you know, she's. As far as Fuji's go, uh, I don't care if you pay your taxes. This has nothing. To, I, you do you. But she didn't go full like Wyclef, where he legitimately just s- <laughs> not a good dude. <laughs> Star- started um, uh, like nonprofits for like the islands that he was from, and just stole the money from them. He's a real scumbag. Whoops. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a fan of Fuji's. We all are. Who doesn't like a Fuji? Not that many people. (laughs) If if you like hip-hop, you shouldn't not like the Fuji's. Yes. But let's see if there's anyone that dislikes Starcade 93. We get photos of a young Ric Flair with piano music playing behind it. As it goes through his years 
until we get video of Nature Boy defeating Harley Race at Starcade 83. And then other highlights throughout the rest of his career. Intro. Guitar riff. Before transitioning to Vader. Just bow. beating the crap out of everybody bow, 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 bow. with the rock music behind it. His big Vader ham fists, you know, heavier than a judgment from God. Tony Schiavone welcomes us to the show with Jesse the Body Ventura joining him on commentary. We're here to celebrate Ric Flair. This is the Ric Flair show, guys. They then send it to a video package where it shows Vader arriving in a Pontiac Bonneville early to the arena to work out in the ring. Yep, he's rocking his Ribera jacket. <laughs> true true Japanese wrestling pride. Like, they pulled up and Harley gets out of the driver's seat and the, out of the Pontiac, and I was like, that is totally a Harley race kind of car. Oh, yeah. Yep. It rules. And I, I love the idea of Vader working out in the ring of an empty arena. It's so silly. It's oh, very... Stretchy rope. Yeah, yeah. It's very, like, <laughs> dirt poor Rocky. <laughs> Tony then tells us that Flair has not shown up to the arena yet, but they have sent Mean Gene to Nature's home. Uh, Jesse's looking real tan. Yes. And, and what then, do we see at this home? Rick's family. And no Fifi to be found. Mm-hmm. Can't believe they treated her this way. She still hasn't gotten over it. You think Rick's wife's going to let Fifi anywhere near them? I just no. thought that maybe she She's was. She's ridden Space thought, Mountain, bro. I thought that maybe she was like his shoot wife. Or, or, no, not like, no, I thought, she like, is now. Well, her kayfabe, yeah, now. I thought she was like the kayfabe wife or whatever at the time. No, but, she's a maid. I just thought that... She's a maid that likes to, you know, get I don't know. mean I, hand jobs. I don't appreciate the disrespect. Out of camera sight. We didn't see... Shane, I just said I don't appreciate the disrespect. <laughs> Nature Boy is, this is like, my current girlfriend. Nature Boy is saying goodbye to his family, playing it up all dramatic. Uh, like, yes. like the last time he's ever going to see oh, them. Yeah. Mean Gene sounds like prison guard. Yeah, like, it's, um, it's like. Say in, goodbye to your family, right? It's like in Rocky 2, where Rocky's like, I guess I have to fight again. <laughs> Except for Ric Flair's, you know, not challenged mentally. Mean Gene and Flair then walk away from the house discussing the match before getting into a limo. With Mean Gene bringing up how tough Vader is. But Nate knows what he's getting into when he signed the contract. You get into those fists. Those big, stinky gloves of Vader's. As the famous Bret Hart quote, <laughs> wrestling Vader. It's like wrestling a concrete truck full of vomit. Supposedly Leon uh, never washed those gloves. And it wasn't so fun. I love Matt's Vader shirt that he's wearing right now. But I also <laughs> noticed that on the Vader shirt... He's actually wearing his singlet correctly, whereas sometimes, if you've watched Vader matches, he wears it backwards. Sometimes it's Vader time on his back, sometimes it's in the front. <laughs> and I just hope that there's more than one singlet and it gets washed regularly. So we're headed off to our first match. Two Cold Scorpio and Marcus Alexander Bagwell with the godfather Teddy Long versus Pretty Wonderful <laughs> of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and Pretty Paul Roma. With the assassin. Uh, the assassin still has not trimmed down to, to fit his mask. No. Pretty wonderful is such a good tag team name. And, and you these know guys looks, look so good to get together. You know who together. looks at place finally in this tag team? Or in their tag team? Paul Roma. Paul Roma. Mm. He does. He, he like, does not look like a horseman. He looks like a member of a he, tag team yeah, he should be on. He that. looks like the handsome guy next to Paul. Because Paul Orndorff 
very striking looking guy, not traditionally handsome, extremely ripped. Paul Roma just looks like averagely like handsome. He's not very distinct looking. It's just like, oh, that guy's hot, right? So, so what I'm saying is it's pretty wonderful. <laughs> so before the match gets going, Gary Jester from the executive committee is there and he presents the manager of the year award to Teddy Long. Ooh. And he thanks all the fans for voting for him. I'd like to hear from Jim Cornette's lawyers. I know, it's a different promotion. I think it was the WCW hotline yeah. voting. Yeah. Sure. So uh, it was just WCW hotline. Yeah. Pay me money so I can get a vote. <laughs> Pretty Wonderful runs to the ring to attack their opponents, only for Scorpio and Marcus to run them into each other, hitting a double drop kick to send Roma to the floor, followed by a Pele kick by Too Cold on Orndorff. And Too Cold and Bagwell, right off the top, looking, looking better together each time we see him. After Pretty Wonderful regroups and gets back in the ring, Scorpio and Bagwell control with crossbodies, hip tosses, head scissors, and splashes. Some atomic drops and arm work until Marcus applies a sleeper onto Orndorff, only for Roma to come off the top rope with a single sledge to break it up. Yeah, this match starts with a real arm party. Pretty Paul hits a pair of backbreakers and a jumping elbow drop for a two-count. Mr. Wonderful in with a back suplex for a near fall. The amount that they do the arm work made me think that it's like, I bet they decided that for both of the heels, we're going to work the like right arm so we don't get it mixed up when we come in. It's like, okay, we're working both the right arms of the heels so we can keep up continuity because the arm party is uh, See, it would have been in full effect. Like, walked in and like, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Roma continues with a double underhook suplex, a power slam, and goes up top for a splash. But Bagwell avoids, and Pretty Paul makes the tag. So Orndorff runs in with a jumping elbow drop, only for Marcus to roll away from it as well to make the hot tag. Two colds in with right hands, a jumping clothesline on Mr. Wonderful, drop kick to Roma to knock him to the floor. Hits a vertical suplex on Orndorff and goes up top, but Pretty Paul has recovered to grab Scorpio's boot, only for Bagwell to come running around ringside to hit Roma from behind. Two cold then comes off the top with a single sledge while the others brawl on the floor. Scorpio hits a spinning heel kick, hip tosses Mr. Wonderful while the assassin gets on the apron. So Two cold comes over and decks him as well. Eat the fist, you big old ass. Mm-hmm. The assassin then puts the foreign object in the mask. Loaded mask! And while Scorpio head scissors Orndorff out of the corner, he goes for a second one, but the assassin grabs him and headbutts him. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful falls on top for the pin and, and the, the win. win. What do you think you put in a loaded mask? <sighs> that looked like the bottle cap of a juice. <laughs> Literally, like that's what it looked like. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, uh, um, a root beer lid. Yeah, it's just like a, a half dollar. <laughs> Tony then sends it back to the limo ride with Mean Gene and Flair, and Mean Gene reiterates that Real this talk. match is for Flair's career. Real buddy talk. Mean Gene, really great here. The fact that they sent him down to the house and to ride with Flair to do these promos. Because it's Mean Gene. We all love him. He's being serious. You know, he just stole Rick's concubine. And, you know, I appreciate that because I left Mean Gene in the dust. 
Nate says that he loves the sport and wants to continue to be a part of it. And then he says that win or lose, he's glad that Mean Gene's riding with him to the end. Gene responds with, it's been a remarkable career and I hope it will last forever. And it has. (laughs) Nature Boy then tells a story about someone asking him who would go woo. Uh, Sting? And that nobody... (laughs) Except for Ric Flair can. Oh, what about your daughter? <laughs> and that's the bottom line. <laughs> Gimmick infringement, damn it. Yeah, because like the Stone nature boy says so. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I was like, but what about Sting, who's been doing woo since he showed up? It's a different woo, but it's not that different. It's a little, it's more it's yelly. scream. Yeah, but he's still, it's, if you spell it out. That's true. If you spell like, it out. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, his daughter, but he didn't know that. He uh, would ever see his daughter again yeah. most uh, most weeks, uh, let alone <laughs> her go on to be one like of the more talented. He just left the house thinking he was never going like, to see him again. No, he might get, uh, you know. So it was Ashley there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was Ashley. Yeah. Okay. That was I imagine because... she was the younger one. Well, there's three kids, right? Two girls and a boy. Yeah, it was Reed and um, David. David were there. I saw them. Yeah, but was she it? was totally there. And then, I'm wondering, is there... It's an Megan. older girl, too? Yeah, it's Megan. Okay. That's who's married to Conrad. Okay. Oh, okay. So I was trying to, I couldn't remember her name, but then I saw her in the shot and like, oh, okay. Yeah, couldn't remember if there was two older sister. Yeah, I couldn't either. I just know that I was like, oh, the small one. I was like, I think that's Ashley, old yep. Charlotte. Oh, yeah, because I mean, if, if you actually look at her, she's got, she's got that same look that she gives right now where she's got like the darkness in her eyes and, you know. <laughs> The get the fuck away with you know, I mean, she doesn't look anything alike because uh, I mean, yeah, people. If you got the money, Ooh. I guess I'm that's who moves. Yeah, her, her plastic surgery. When I get my fourteen hundred dollars, <laughs> it's going to my calf implants. Her plastic surgery, and Andrade, whichever one. <laughs> Someone's wooing. So we go to our second match: Awesome Kong with King Kong versus the Shockmaster. Oh, no Kongs. No, no masters, no shocks. So both Kongs attack Shocky as he enters the ring with Awesome hitting an avalanche splash and no a splash yet. in the middle of the ring. Started hot because it's going to slow down probably pretty quickly. Tony isn't even sure if the right Kong is in the ring. And Jesse points out that the tights on the one that's in the ring says King. So I guess we're going to say King Kong's in the match instead. Yeah. Wow, it's like Harlem Heat all over again. King Kong charges into the corner, only to receive a big boot, a clothesline, and a crossbody. The problem with the Harlem Heat was that they just had bad names. Not that they looked similar. Like, what, these are good names. <laughs> or had masks on. But it's, like, it's like, oh, they just had bad names. You're like, well, well that's, that? I mean, yeah. They Plus, have we bad know names, them as. They yeah. should know their own names. Yeah. Plus, that's awesome their Kong character. Kong. Should be King Kong and Diddy Kong. Awesome has climbed onto the apron, so the Shockmaster clotheslines him before turning his attention back to King to give him a body slam for the pin and the win. I want to thank you. For making it as short and sweet as it was? Thank. Bless bless your heart, Starcade 1993. If you're going to do this, at least you didn't waste our time in any meaningful way. You want to hear some more good news? I'm ready. Always. This would be the last time Don't tell me if it ain't real. we see any of the three men <sighs> until the Shockmaster shows back up in about eight years. Okay, I was going to say, cue um, 
the kids but not as the Shockmaster. Okay. Shock like, me. I was trying to remember. Wait, he came back. I don't remember a resurgence of Shockmaster until education. Why didn't he? Oh, I guess they didn't want to pay for it. But it would have been really great if he came out to shock me by kiss. I love that. <laughs> Put on your black leather. Tony then talks about the dark match where Terry Taylor beat the Equalizer. So, aren't yeah. you glad that was the dark match? Oh, yeah. I am, yeah. and you know what? I'm more glad that Terry Taylor won oh, instead yeah. of. Big old dumb equalizer. What I found... Love a Terry Taylor. Hate an equalizer. What I found hilarious about it was Tony described it as a big win over the equalizer. Like, this was a... I mean, he's a big guy. Great challenge. I mean, when's the last time we saw Terry Taylor pick up a victory? In Terry Taylor's career... In WCW, he he had a little stint there. He he was bigger than the equalizer. Oh, I missed the York Foundation. Oh, shit was fun. We then see Flair's limo arrive to the arena... And they all get out and walk Rick, in. Ric Flair's more popular and has more money than Bill Clinton. That's what Jesse says. Yeah, but can he play the saxophone? Uh, he doesn't need saxophone. He's got Space Mountain. I mean, I'll take Space Mountain over <laughs> fucking saxophone. Sorry, Kenny G. I mean, I played the saxophone. It was fun for what it was, but Space Mountain, I'm sure, is a whole lot better. Yeah. Did you ever uh, use it and go as the guy from Lost Boys for... Uh, I learned how to play that song. That <laughs> That's was cool. the time that I started playing. The saxophone. bigger question is: Did you can we ever, get chain and mesh? <laughs> did you ever play hot sax from Bob Seger? No, uh, I, I stuck to the song from uh, Lost Boys, the theme song to Knott's Landing, because it was played by saxophone as well. I don't know that. Yeah, and that was around the time that Kenny G was, you know, at his peak popularity yeah, as well. Were you so, a big Clarence Clemens fan? No, bummer. The guy Possibly, from, but I don't know the name. Yeah, he's the the saxophone player for Bruce Springsteen. Oh, okay. E Street Band. Yeah. I'm not so much a Bruce fan, but his we'll band was talented. I'll get you. I'll make no. you a Bruce fan. I, I grew listen up on to board the, in the USA. Listen to the river, the song The River, and try not to cry. Uh, is it his... Never mind. But that's not his best record. <laughs> that's just like the poppy, fun stuff for the most part. There's good songs on there, but the Bruce catalog rolls deep, sir. So we head out to our third match of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Lord Steven Regal with Sir William for the WCW World Television Championship. 15-minute time limit. That is what they tell us. No fire this time. No. Yeah, it just they, means, though. Yeah, they just ran out of uh, lighter fluid money. Lord Steven does his usual backing away until he is ready, mm-hmm. not allowing Steamboat to get a quick start. But once they do lock up, Regal does something to Ricky's arm. But the camera's on Sir William when it happens, and so we don't see it. But this causes Dragon to back away from Lord Stephen for the next couple minutes. Regal then takes control with a wrist lock, which they trade back and forth until Steamboat flips Lord Stephen over to the mat. The two men fight over a hip toss, leading to a Dragon takedown of Regal, followed by a roll-up and a hip toss for two. Both men are running the ropes until the dragon hits another roll-up for a near fall. But Lord Steven regains control by working the ankle, which Steamboat then hits an Insiguri, a body slam, before going to the top for a flying judo chop for a two-count. Ricky then begins to work an arm bar as the five minutes remaining call is made. Ten minutes gone already. Fast. Well, they wasted like five of it waiting, like backing away from each other. Yeah, but I mean, that's the Steven Regal charm. And then Dragon doing the same because he hurt his arm or something like that. It was 
Like, literally, as soon as that happened, I knew exactly how this match was ending, and I was just like, okay, uh, cool. Must have been that old umbrella injury again. But, I mean, they still have great chemistry. It's just not the layout that you quite want. The dragon transitions into a hammer locket as four minutes remain, and then into a head scissors, only for Regal to bridge out. Three minutes remain as Lord Steven starts delivering some European forearms and steamboat with multiple chops. So Regal escapes to the outside, in which Sir William comes from behind with his umbrella. So Ricky turns and starts chasing Sir William, allowing Lord Steven to hit a dropkick. Yeah, keep that focus, Dragon. Yeah, dropkick on the floors. Not, not good for your brain, Ricky. Back in the ring, the Dragon goes to leap up and over a charging Regal, but Lord Steven just tosses him off as two minutes remain. Steamboat with several arm drags, only for Regal to get a head scissors applied, which Ricky counters into a jackknife pin attempt. So Lord Steven then bridges out again and reverses it into a butterfly suplex attempt. But the dragon reverses that into one of his own for the pin, and no, Regal kicks out with one minute remaining. Lord Steven rolls out of the ring to waste time, but Steamboat stalks after him, hitting Sir William and Regal with the double noggin knocker as 30 seconds remain. Ricky's trying to make his way back into the ring, only for Sir William to grab hold of his boot to stall him. So the dragon then goes up to the top rope, coming off with a crossbody with 10 seconds left. But Lord Stephen ducks to avoid. So Steamboat jumps up and hits a bridging German suplex as time expires. Official announcement is a time limit draw. Lord Steven Regal keeps the belt. And to this I'll say, maybe we'll get Another a, match a, a full match between these boys. Because we know what it can be. And this feels like maybe the place to do it on a show like Starcade, But instead it kind of feels like they're building it. Or Steamboat might have to go home to his wife tomorrow. We never know with Steamboat. The finicky son of a bitch. I love him. But man, if you could just stay in one place. Yeah, like, Regal backing away at the beginning of the match. That's, he usually does that. Yeah. But literally as soon as Steamboat, like... Sells the arm. Sells the arm for, like... It's legitimately, like, two minutes that he sells the arm. And they don't do anything. I was just like, we now have 11 minutes in this match left. And you guys have not done a move yet. No, because, so, like, yeah, they did the some kind of hard damage... To his arm, and does a good job selling it. It's fucking Ricky Steamboat, but too early, and we didn't even really get to see it. Yep. We didn't see it at all. So it's like if we could have we could have saw it, that could have helped a lot. And if they, and if it was good, like maybe if he slammed it into the post or something, or like stomped it on the steel stairs. I don't know if there's steel stairs here. I can't remember the layout of the show, but it's probably the catwalk because we're WCW. But either way, you know what I mean. Something that is believable. Uh, I'm just going to say, I was just super disappointed in this match completely. It's good for what it is, but for what it is, should be a headlining match of an episode of television yes. and not TV a Starcade match. should be defended on TV, not a pay-per-view. Or if you're I mean, I'm on, okay with it being defended on a pay-per-view. I just not, not if it's going to be this when we know what these guys can I mean, can these, these two should, like, Gentleman 3 is for, like, an average match. These two guys should have a Gentleman 4 <laughs> And this doesn't even reach Gentleman 3 level for me. No. Nope. It, it's, it's disappointing. I think that it, it's, it was good in the wrong place. Yeah. We, we know to expect better from these two, and 
didn't quite get what we should have got. We get Shivani and Ventura discussing Flair and retirement before we head off to our fourth match. Jesse's retirement isn't bad. That's not for Jesse. You get to hang out with Predators and Carl Weathers. And running men. Mm -hmm. Our fourth match, Tex Salinger and Shanghai Pierce versus Cactus Jack (sighs) and Max Payne. Everyone's at least... It is crazy how big Cactus Jack's pop is. He's just he's legitimately the people's champ, mm-hmm. like, and has been working towards it for a while. And it's it's like finally arrived, especially after those big matches with Sting and Vader. And finally, coming he was to the he time. was destined to be uh, the star that he ended up being. So Tony and Jesse are talking about Hooters way too much as. Payne and Pierce walk up to start it off with no one gaining an advantage. I believe that there's like a Hooters girl in the background or something. Or I never like, saw her until like later in the match. Yeah, later finally, in the show. Yeah. Finally but her. she's like in her Hooters gears and it's probably like peak Hooters being a big probably. restaurant and like thing. So maybe that the, maybe it was like sponsored by them or something or they had catered. <laughs> I don't know, but like, you know, she didn't just get off work and come here. There was something going on that we didn't know about. But if you're going to talk about something, you know, like, you have to you have to show us as well. Yeah, have one of the Hooters girls be like a, a ring lady or something, and then, yeah. you know, sell this. Sure, eating a chicken sandwich or something. Sell this restaurant. Max finally hits a body slam, but then Tex and Jack tag in for them to brawl about for a bit before Cactus Jack hits an arm breaker DDT. Makes the cover, only for Shanghai to break it up. Jack and Payne with a double clothesline on Salinger. And Max charges into the corner for a splash, but Tex moves and hits a bulldog. Pierce telegraphs the back body drop, so Payne hits a sunset flip and a back suplex for a two count. Cactus Jack is back in with chokes, so Salinger comes from behind with a forearm, bringing Max in as well for a Pier 6 brawl. Jack hits a clothesline to send himself and Pierce over the ropes to the floor. A real 360. Followed by slingshotting Tex out to the floor as well. Cactus Jack is Irish whipped by Max before being back body dropped over the ropes onto Salinger. <sighs> Come on, guys. What a, what a high spot, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, Shanghai comes back into the ring via the top rope with a double axe handle. Goes back up to try another, but gets caught with a shot to the gut by Payne. So Max applies the painkiller, only to be saved by Tex. You think that he calls it the painkiller because he's a rock and roll dude and uh, it's a Judas Priest thing? I'd like to think Sounds that. Sounds like a good reason. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd, like to, I'd like to think that. The Texans go for a double clothesline, but Max ducks and delivers one of his own. Cactus Jack then comes in, only to be met immediately by the Texans, with Salinger holding him so that Pierce can go for a clothesline but Jack ducks to avoid, sending Tex out to the floor. Cactus Jack then hits the double arm DDT for the pin and And the win. win. This would be the last time we see the Texicans until they make their way up north over the course of the next couple of years. Yeah, this was fine. Cactus Jack got his shit in, and that's all anybody wanted. Basically. Yeah, he did the big spot where Max... Flipped off of Max Payne to the floor, and then he got his double, his like you know, double arm DDT, and then everybody knew it was over. Uh, this was the Cactus Jack show, and it as it should have been. 
we get Mean Gene on the stage, and he plugs the hotline where you can vote if the title matches should be two out of three falls. So if you guys were to call in, what would you vote? No. Not every single one of them. Uh-huh. No. You save that for for a trilogy. Yeah. First you want to have a best of three series? That's mm-hmm. awesome, but yeah. not every single one. Yeah. I need that. Like, you, you pepper that in in flares in in like second Big or fuse. second or third matches of a flare 89 88-89 trilogy party yeah god remember flare in 89 that's so good <sighs> remember when terry funk came off commentary and then did the terry funk ddt on a table yeah that's pretty good fucking god <laughs> jesus that's why we do this show because sometimes Terry Funk and Ric Flair have three matches in a year and what what was it and then Steamboat was yeah. that 89 he did Steamboat Steamboat Flair was 89 and then, and then, then it went into Funk yeah and then Funk yeah and then, was there Sting one before that or was that coming out of it Sting was 9 the Sting 45 minute time limit draw one that you really liked was oh, 88 yeah. okay 88? yeah but like okay. yeah fuck Ric Flair and yeah, it was Clash of the Champions 1 when they went up against WrestleMania. I think okay. about Ric Flair's Terry Funk 89 a lot. Mean Gene then brings out NASCAR driver Kyle Petty. Is that can... Katie's dad? Who? Oh, Katie, Katie Perry. I was like, who? <laughs> that's Petty. Oh, that's right. Petty. Well, isn't his father also? Katie Perry. A Not NASCAR guy? I don't know much about NASCAR. Yes. Yes. Which is, his dad his, is Richard Petty. Richard Petty. I wanted to say Tom, but of course I know that Tom Petty is yeah. the, the uh, incredible singer-songwriter of Tom and, Petty and the Heartbreakers. But Richard Petty, yes. I know Richard Petty's face. Never seen Kyle Petty in my life. I've seen Richard Petty live in Oklahoma. I've seen a million Richard Petty shirts in a gas station. On a person. And Richard Petty had just retired, so Kyle compared his dad to Ric Flair. And how that can affect... We then go to our fifth match, stunning Steve Austin with Colonel Robert Parker versus the natural Dustin Rhodes in a two out of three falls match for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. Are you pumped on pump when you said the natural? I was like, Butch Reed? You get uh, Austin and Rhodes two out of three falls? I'm okay with that. Yeah. Hopefully they don't... They don't... Steamboat Orndorff, not still. Steamboat um, Regalus. Yeah, I uh, I was heartbroken at the beginning when they were talking about Robert Parker and how he broke up the greatest tag team of all time, the Hollywood Blondes. Mm. Yeah, it's just a harsh reminder that I didn't need. You know, I'm happy to see Austin versus Rhodes, but you have to throw the reminder out there that we no longer have the Hollywood Blondes together, and it's just. A little bittersweet. At least Austin left Pillman with the kiss heard around the world. <laughs> so the match gets going and it's back and forth to start until a bionic elbow for a two count by Dustin sends Austin bailing to the outside to regroup. Steve fucking rules so much. He's doing the camera work. The, you know, the Hollywood Blondes. I love it. Yeah. Once back in, they do some mat wrestling, still with no one gaining an advantage. But once the natural starts to, Stunning Steve would roll out to the floor. Jay White, though, is doing that thing that I love. <laughs> I love these like, these regal Steve Austin heels and uh, 
what Jay White's been doing in New Japan for the last two years. I just love the chicken shit heel that can go, but fucking refuses to do it because he's smarter than you. Yep. Austin with a takedown inside the ring before dragging him out to the apron. He delivers an elbow across the throat and pulls him out to the floor, where Dustin reverses an Irish whip, sending Steve crashing over the guardrail and into the third row. These guys are like in some real lockstep. Once back in the ring, Austin cheap shots his way out of a headlock before face planting the natural. And the two begin to slug it out when Austin hits a back elbow and tosses Rhodes out to the floor. Dustin comes back in with a shoulder block and a sunset flip for a two count. Hits a drop kick and makes another cover, only for Colonel Parker to pull him off. So the natural starts to go after him, only for Austin to nail him from behind. Stunning Steve continues with a back suplex before they run into each other for the double KO. I love the lazy covers in between there. Fucking prick. Beautiful prick. Arrogant. Arrogant prick. (laughs) Austin is up first, but misses a clothesline. So Rhodes picks him up for a body slam. But Steve holds onto the ropes, causing Dustin to fall to the mat with Austin on top for a near fall. Stunning Steve then comes off the second rope with an elbow drop. But the natural moves and begins to fire up with the flip-flop fly for hitting a lariat and a power slam for a two count. Colonel Parker then jumps on the apron, so Rhodes tosses Austin into him. But it also sends Stunning Steve over the ropes to the floor, and the ref calls for the disqualification. So Austin is up 1-0. to zero. Bum, bum, bum. There's supposed to be a 30-second rest period. But Dustin doesn't wait. No. As he rolls out to the floor, sending Austin into the ring post to bust him open. The refs finally get the natural back in the ring to wait out the rest period. When the lights all of a sudden go out. But spotlights are turned on so that they can see. Yeah. A little weird. And Dustin, I believe, got a, caught a bloody nose somewhere here. He's not busted open like Steve is. Rhodes goes up to the top rope, coming off with a single sledge a vertical suplex, and an elbow drop for the near fall. Oh, Tony, or not Tony, Jesse says, it's turned into a dark match, Tony. And I thought that that was very funny. I love when he does shit like that. Dustin continues with a clothesline and a five count of punches in the corner as the lights finally come back on. But all of a sudden, stunning Steve pulls him down to the mat, pulling on the tights of Dustin Handful of for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And new. Steve Austin with the crimson fucking mask. Looking sick as fuck. He wears it well. Yeah, celebrate bloody fall to, falls to the floor. He's such a fucking shit. It's great. We go to Tony and Jesse who preview the rest of the show. Before we go to our sixth match. The Boss versus Ravishing Rick Rude for the WCW International World Heavyweight Championship. Why didn't he come back as Big Bubba Rogers? I guess the boss is a better name. I guess he's more famous as the big boss man than Big Bubba Rogers. So, yeah. But the boss. So the story behind this match was that Rude would get on the mic a few weeks prior, saying he had beat everyone in the WCW. But apparently, he forgot about the boss. The boss would make his debut, pitting the Ravishing One in a non-title match. So he would get his chance for the belt right here. Big old gold. 
And the last time we saw the boss was at Royal Rumble 93, all the way back in episode 86. Now, this was actually supposed to be Davy Boy. Oh, really? But as I mentioned on the Battle Bowl episode, British Bulldog was released after he had an incident in Canada where he basically beat up someone so bad that they had brain damage. Oh, not a good look, brother. I mean, I don't know what the confrontation was. Did he have a gun at your wife? That's so. I'd be like, "Mm, you probably should have held back, but I can understand why I said you were. It was, a bar, it was a bar fight of some sort. Uh, yeah. I understood. Like, did you try and steal your stash? What the hell happened? You know what I learned about North Carolina? What's Cops that? are faces in North Carolina. <laughs> but the cameras finally do show some of those Hooters girls that mm-hmm. Jesse has been going on about. Okay. Right here. She, she was attractive enough. You yeah, know? I'm sure. And then we get Michael Buffer as the special guest announcer for this and the rest of the title matches. And the two men start jabbering between the two. And I was like, maybe they're discussing all the stuff Rude used to say about the boss's mom back in WWF. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's what they're talking about. Before the boss hawks a massive loogie Ugh. at the Ravishing One. That's the that's Rick Rude's job. He's the heel. He's usually the stunt rocket. Yep. Oh, he's got those. He's got that big old them big old nostrils. The boss keeps getting Rude into a corner, so the ref has to pull the lawman away. The Ravishing One gets a cheap shot in to gain control. A double throat thrust, elbows to the head, forearms to the back, but the boss comes back with a huge back body drop and a big boot. It is a huge back body drop. High up in the air. (laughs) Yeah. The boss with a backbreaker for a two count, head slam into a turnbuckle, hard Irish whips, right hands, and a body slam, which sends Rude crawling to the outside. The boss falls out to body slam the ravishing one. Vertical suplexed onto the ropes so that he is hanging in a tree of woe, allowing the boss to punish the ribs. I thought that was kind of a cool spot. Yeah, it was. was something I'd never seen before. So. It was good, for sure. Rude is finally able to escape and make his way back into the ring, where the boss grabs a bear hug, only for the ravishing one to bite his way out before getting a knee up into the charging lawman. Rude heads up top, coming off with a single sledge only to be caught on the chin on his way down, followed by a face plant, and Boss goes for the body guillotine, but the ravishing one moves in time. Rude then hits a sunset flip for the pin and, and the win. win. Yeah, he does the Bronco Buster, but, you know, gets, uh, gets racked, buddy. What'd you get? Cops aren't, cops might be faces in North Carolina, but they're heels in my heart. We then get an ad for Super Brawl 4, and it's shown with something called the Double Thunder Cage. Scary. It's kind of what my thoughts were, too. I mean, I will, yeah, big up Boss Man. Uh, This was smart because Boss, like, Rick Rude ate the damage in this match and then got the, uh, the, like, cheap cheap win. So it's like, well, we brought the Boss boss man in but at least we made him look strong like he lost but he's still he's still really he, he lost to a sunset flip yeah but he got he got just got racked and he and rick rude bumped he for him big couldn't he at least hit the rude awakening why waste it on the boss man i'm full of shit <laughs> I'm, I, I'm all for that reasoning there i wouldn't waste it on the boss man <laughs> 
The best was the best thing about the boss man, his WWF theme song. Um, Hard time is a really good song. It probably is. Yeah. <laughs> so we're off to our seventh match: Sting and Road Warrior Hawk versus the Nasty Boys of Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags with Missy Hyatt for the WCW Tag Team Championships. Missy in the pink with the whip. Sassy broad. So we get lots of stalling and working the crowd to begin things until Sting and Nobbs square off. Uh, mullet guy throwing a fucking crumpled up dollar at the, you know, the nastiest first lady of wrestling. You talking about the uh, blonde mullet with the purple and black shirt? He was one of my favorite parts of the show. <laughs> the stinger clears the ring with a jumping clothesline and an elbow drop on Brian, followed by a clothesline on Sags. And Missy's got like the pre-attitude era dress. Oh, it's good. Yeah, she's looking better than she has over the last few times they've shown her. Because for a while her. there, she was looking a little cracked out and rough. Oh, come on. From what I understand, she was a really good manager before she started being a mic jockey. And uh, this proves it, but I mean, this was like stuff that we didn't really watch. But supposedly she was a really great manager, and I think that she's been doing a great job here with the Nasties. Mm-hmm. She's got the two. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm totally in support of her being the manager. It's just for a while there, she was looking downright nasty herself. <laughs> working the gimmick, brother. <laughs> Hawk then comes into the ring, press slamming Sting over the ropes on top of the Nasty Boys. Back in the ring, Jerry and the Road Warrior lock up with the two trading blows when Hawk runs into a big boot, allowing the Nasties to go for a double team, only for the Road Warrior to come out of the corner with a double clothesline to force them outside to regroup. Sags gets back in the ring, only to be hammered away by Hawk, followed by a drop kick, a flying shoulder tackle, and a falling fist to send Jerry rolling to the outside. Still, they're still hungry for the LOD with these LOD chants, brother. Road Warrior takes Chase around ringside with both rolling back in. Hawk tries for a big boot, only to be caught by Sags. So the Road Warrior counters with an enziguri for a two count. Double back elbow by Sting and Hawk. Vertical suplex on Jerry, but a thumb to the eye allows the Nasties to make a tag. So Road Warrior and Stinger start working the arm of knobs. Hawk with an Irish whip and charges in, but Brian moves sending the Road Warrior shoulder first into room post, falling out to the floor where Sags comes off the apron with a double axe handle and a chair shop over the back, followed by a Missy slap to the face. When they're working Sags' arm so hard, Jesse says, you think they'll get water pumping that arm? And it was such a Bobby Heenan joke. It was great. Man. Hawker gains his senses and begins to stalk Hyatt, but Nobbs comes off the apron with another double axe handle to knock him down. Back in the ring, the Nasties work over the Road Warrior with an arm breaker DDT, a leg drop, falling headbutts, arm bars, body slam, only for Hawk to clothesline his way out with his bad arm, so he just collapses to the mat. Road Warrior then leaps to the corner as Sags comes in to distract the ref, so the tag is not allowed. But Hawk ducks a double clothesline and gives big boots to both Nasties so that he can make a true hot tag. Sting in with double clothesline on the Nasties. Body slam on Jerry. Drop kick and clothesline on Dobbs. He makes the cover, only for Sags to hit an elbow drop to break up the pin. 
Jerry is tossed out to the ramp, followed by Stinger clotheslining Brian over the ropes as well. And the Nasties have decided that they're just going to take their belts and go home. Boo. But Hawk and Sting catch up with them and drag them back to the ring. Stinger goes up top, coming off of the splash, but Nobbs gets his knees up. He then body slams Sting and goes up to the second rope, coming off with a leg drop. But Stinger tries and rolls away, but he gets landed on anyways. Can't win them all, brother. Yep. I'd say you rolled the wrong way, sir. <laughs> he was discombobulated. Leg drop for two. Brian tosses Sting over the top rope to the floor, but only Tony seems to have cared, allowing Sags to run the Stinger into the guardrail, and Missy starts using her whip on him, which wakes him up, only for Jerry to hit him with a clothesline. Kinky. <laughs> I know, it. like, he, he was like, uh, hits with the whip. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Maybe he does have a kiki yeah, <laughs> yeah, a sub for Missy. Back in the ring, Nobbs with a vertical suplex for a two count. The Nasties then lock on an ab stretch, trading it back and forth when the 10-minute remaining call is heard. Brian runs into a big boot, allowing Sting to hit a sunset flip for a two count. Jerry comes in with an elbow drop, hits a pump handle slam, only to hurt his back. Oh, I love the pump handle slam. And I feel like it almost, I think it was a shoot hurting of his back. Could be. Because the rest of this match, literally, Sags comes in, does like, like he kicks someone or he punches someone, and then he goes and tags right back in. Yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think he legitimately hurt his back right pull, here. Pulled pull, pull the, pull the little thing. So he tags Knobs back in to sit down in a chin lock before hitting another vertical suplex. Brian comes back in for the, another chin lock, which Hawk breaks up with a stop, allowing Nobbs to go back to the ab stretch, which the Stinger escapes with five minutes remaining. Brian, with a body slam, goes to the second rope for a splash, goes up for a second one with four minutes remaining, only for Sting to get his boot up, starts crawling to his corner, but Sags runs in to knock Hawk off the apron. Oh my gosh, no. The Nasties hit an Irish whip-aided splash in the corner on the stinger. Knobs with a power slam and turns to celebrate as Jerry is climbing to the top rope, allowing the Road Warrior to run in with a clothesline to send Brian to the ramp. Three minutes remain as Hawk knocks Sags off to the mat, which allows Sting to make a hot hot tag. Flying shoulder tackle, clothesline, body slam, makes the cover, but Jerry makes the save. Stinger splash in the corner on knobs, while Road Warrior and Sags brawl on the outside. Missy then jumps up on the apron as Stinger locks in the Scorpion Deathlock, but he drops the hold and goes to smooch Hyatt. Um, yeah, it's sexual assault, but she had a whip. Mm-hmm. Allowing Brian to come from behind, only for the Stinger to move in time, and he cradles up knobs for a near fall. Sting lifts knobs up onto his shoulders, with Hawk going to the top for the doomsday device. Stinger makes the cover, only for Missy to jump in the ring, pulling Sting off of Brian with her boob popping out of her dress for the DQ. I don't know that I caught that. <laughs> do they do they blur it out? No. Oh. You just can't you can't see anything because oh. you're so far away. But her like literally as soon as it happens you can see her like Oh, okay. I think I want to dress. Okay, because yeah, you said that, and like, wait, did I totally miss a a boob popping out? Yeah, I guess I missed the adjustment. You literally don't see anything. 
I'm hoping that he was legitimately hurt because that should be the only reason this match goes as long as this went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think, because legitimately when they when he gets hurt, the that's after the 10-minute mark remaining, and then they sit down in a chin lock for like three minutes. Yeah, it goes... Because I think they're trying to figure out what, what, what do. can do. Because like the it is a hot pace at the beginning, and I don't know if we've seen Hawk take the kind of damage he does in this. Like He really sells and takes it yeah. so Sting can get... The hot tag and Sting comes in hot and blah blah blah. But then, like you said, after that it does it take slows a backseat. down for a second. Takes a backseat to the first part of the match. Yeah, pretty quickly. Still, uh, I couldn't. Like, I couldn't find if he legitimately was hurt or not. Yeah, but it just feels that way. Yeah, I mean, this isn't like uh, the kind of match that <laughs> that is going to have that. It there were the lore is just going to be out there like that. Because originally, whenever I was like. Watching this, I was like, there's no reason anyone should ever book the Nasty Boys in a 30 minute match. No, like, no. it should never happen. No, I mean, even a 20 minute match is probably about five minutes too long for them. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say 12 to 15 is probably where they work best. And then when you have but then, Brian Knobs doing the bulk of the work at the end, then yeah, that's. But then looking back at it, I was like, well, he had, he, if, if he legitimately got hurt and that's why it took so much time, okay. Either that, or they're like, "Oh well, we did everything already, and now we're tired." So, so this is either really bad booking, or he was legitimately hurt. One of the two. Yeah. First half's pretty great. Yeah, it starts off hot. Yeah, yeah. I agree. We then go to the stage, and Mean Gene is there to hype up the hotline because you can talk to Cactus Jack and Max Payne. I like one of them. Yeah, I'm for Cactus Jack. Yeah, but I don't ever. I'd rather talk to what was the guitar's name. Uh, Norma Jean. Norma Jean, yeah. I'll talk to Norma Jean all day. But, fuck Max Payne. <laughs> and we're off to our eighth match. Big Van Vader with Harley Race versus the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. One fall. 45 minutes. The champ comes out first. Foreshadowing? Foreshadowing. I mean... 10th anniversary, the intro to the show, they'd hold us. But doesn't mean we're not going to get a valiant effort. Ric Flair is not Goldberg. God. Yeah, I mean, obviously, thank God. <laughs> Vader walks over to Jesse and tells him to get comfortable because I'm going to beat him slowly. Oh, I was like, that was such a great line. I, I felt so, for some reason, Spotch just hit real hard this time. I was like, ah. Because just, of Starcade, it's main event. I mean, I literally was like, it came on, and I was just like, I feel like we haven't heard this That's exactly, I know. Even though I know it's played, but yes. it just, it felt right. It's, for, we get the big match feel. Yeah. It's fucking Vader and Ric Flair. We get Buffer's famous words, and it looks like Flair has tears in his eyes. Oh, he's a glassy boy in the purple and silver. And Jesse says, it's serious. There's no Fifi here. <laughs> I was like, I know. He I broke her hard, and I'm picking up the pieces. <laughs> Vader shoves off the tie-ups to start, so Flair starts running around the ring to screw with the big man. Vader grabs a knuckle lock, hits a headbutt, and shoves the nature boy away. And Vader's like doing plain-ass fucking trash talk. He flexes and says, says like, fuck you, before this all locks up. So Flair rolls out to the outside to regroup. 
Back in the ring, Nate gets stuck in the corner for Vader's stiff shots before being press slammed to the middle of the ring. Flair again rolls out, but Vader follows, hitting the not-so-rubber-band slam across the guardrail. Goes for an avalanche splash, only for the Nature Boy to avoid and start chopping away, before sending Vader into the ring post. Posted. As the big man rolls back into the ring, Harley attacks Nate from behind, allowing Vader to bring Flair back into the ring with a vertical suplex. God damn it, Harley. Which he rolls away to the apron, only to be brought back in again with another vertical suplex. Another reason why we might get some tears and why Spotch hits harder. You know who's Vader second? Harley, Harley Race. Ten years later. Mm-hmm. Hard Irish whip into a flare flip on the ramp. Then the Nature Boy stumbles into the guardrail before making his way back into the ring. More stiff shots in the corner. Clothesline. Nate tries to respond with chops, but Vader just power slams him for a two count. Vader then comes off the second rope with a clothesline. Tries for a second rope splash, but nobody's home. Flair connects with three single sledges to drop the big man, followed by the rolling knee drop. But Vader retaliates with a clothesline, a superplex, and an elbow drop to Space Mountain. Vader goes for another splash, but the Nature Boy rolls out of the way, goes to run the ropes, only to run right into the big man, before being tossed to the outside, where Race gets some stomps in. Back in, Flair starts going chop crazy. But Vader slows him down with an avalanche splash and more stiff shots. Nature Boy starts firing up, delivering eye rakes, lefts, rights, chops to get Vader down. Drags him over to the corner to wrap his leg around the ring post as the 15-minute call is announced. Setting it up. I love how vocal um, Vader has been in this. And we see his nasty, hard work uh, in matches with other people, but I'm... Not like this. I'm glad that he's also, he's not backing off on Flair. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's Ric Flair. Ric Flair's like, hey, Leon, maybe not the, like, shoot forearms. (laughs) If he did, he only got him worse for it. Nate steals Jesse's chair, slamming it across Vader's knee while Harley is on the apron. Still punching away when Ray starts barking at the ref again. So Flair nails Vader in the head with the chair. Unprotected headshot. Back in the ring, the Nature Boy continues the attack, even biting the forehead. Goes for the figure four, but Vader kicks him off. Stomps on him and attempts a Vader bomb, only for Nate to move out of the way. Flair grabs the leg again and locks on the figure four. Race jumps up on the apron, going insane, and Vader's crawling and finally makes it to the ropes to break the hold. Nature Boy charges into the corner, only to receive a big boot and another elbow before Vader heads up top for a Vader salt, which Nate rolls out of the way and makes the cover. For the pin, and no! Vader presses him off. But Harley has climbed to the top rope, coming off with a diving headbutt, landing right on the big man. <laughs> Classy shit. The ref shoves Race out of the ring, while Flair hits a forearm, some chops, only to run into an avalanche. Vader turns to regroup, but the Nature Boy trips him up and rolls him up for the pin and the win. And new! Post-match Nature makes his way back to the stage 
as Pyro goes off. Fireworks, baby. No figure four finish. No figure uh, four. I guess you want Vader to... No, you don't want Vader to tap out. Like No. Nah. I mean, he put it on. And Vader had to crawl. Yeah, for sure. Literally all the way across the ring. Yeah, to... they set it up. Uh, we get some confetti. Uh, did Rick really lose a tooth? Because... I was trying to figure he's that out. He's a buddy boy. At least if not, he's got like a busted lip. But yeah. yeah, I was trying to figure that out during the uh, the little interview afterwards because I kept I couldn't tell if he just had blood in his mouth or if he was actually missing something. Yeah, like yeah, of course we could, Vader going nuts, you know, and I want it back. I had thoughts like no Eric on the show. Tony and Jesse recap the match before sending it to Eric Bischoff. I know. As soon as I was like, "Where's Eric?" There he is. And we see Vader and Harley arguing, and the big man starts destroying the locker room. We then go back out to the stage, and Flair comes back out to celebrate some more with the crowd. Oh, his poor teeth. And then Tony sends it to the back with Mean Gene, who's there with Nature Boy's family. Choking And, and I was like, so Rick and Gene took a limo to the arena, and they left the family at the house. If there's two... Limos. They didn't want to watch the rest of the show. They're coming for dad. All right. Good job. Way to explain it. For I us. may. I may. I don't know. Nate walks in and is, and he seems to just be overwhelmed. Or they grow the, the trunk. <laughs> and then got out of That was more of an ease. <laughs> mean Gene talks to Beth, his wife, for a moment before bringing in Sting and Ricky Steamboat to talk about the man. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, I love him. Mean Gene then says the goodbyes as the credits roll. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Starcade 1993? Bit of a weird show. Great last match. Uh, what's with these Star Wars credits? <laughs> they do like the Star Wars crawl for the credits. Star Wars, Starcade. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of funny. But it's funny too because it's like 93, not 77 or even, I don't know when the last one came out. 80 something but I mean Vader and Ric Flair come on yeah what a main event exactly yes. and that's about the nicest thing I can say about this show yeah I think that this is not a battle bowl I don't think this is a terrible Starcade. I think there's some really good matchups that didn't go the way that we would have hoped considering the people that were in them is that it, it, yeah I mean like who doesn't that's want a, who doesn't that's want a lot of it uh what is it? Steamboat. So, um, I'm gonna do. Regal. I'm gonna do some, some you know, fantasy booking kind of thing here. So, going back to the Sting, the the tag match, mm-hmm. it going twenty eight and a half minutes or whatever. Too long. Too long. But I, and I know I said a while ago, like it seems like he was legitimately hurt, and that's why it went longer than it probably should have. But then you just but then you start because you know who can go for a long time. But then you start looking at it. But then you start looking at it, and Rhodes and Austin seemed like it ended literally like it ended like that. Yeah, it was like it was supposed to be like a fifteen minute time limit, and it's shorter than that. No, that one didn't have that one had a yeah that was two out of three falls. It was a two out of three falls match. It didn't have a time limit. Yes, that was way too short. Rude boss ended like that. It was both those matches. And it was nine, that was nine minutes, but it didn't feel like nine minutes. Which one? Oh, like Rick Rude and, Rude and Boss. Boss. Like, it felt like fat. five. Yeah, it was, because, it it was super a, fast. because it was pretty good. Well, how long was the Austin? It was like 12. No, Austin Dustin is 23. 
Okay. It went longer than was I it thought really? it did. According to Wikipedia, but those guys are good. But it just like ended so quick. It did it, feel too fast it just for a two felt out of three miles. still too fast, even at 23 minutes. Because I think they just, they did so much like crowd work and Austin being the chicken shit heel at the very beginning yes. that it wasted time. But I think that's part of the, the beauty of the character. But Austin getting the second, like Austin won two to zero. Yes. And the first one being a DQ, which, okay, that's fine. I get it. But then literally it felt like four minutes later. Yep. Austin, we could have done, we Austin, done this 23 minutes with uh, Dustin getting one fall. Mm-hmm. And it probably would have made it a better match. And you know how you do that? You get rid of the fucking awesome Kong, King Kong, Shockmaster bullshit. That I'm saying they still could have kept the, the same time at 23 minutes and still had, and Dustin could have got They could have just... Because these really, guys made I a 23 really minute match feel like, like 10 minutes, 12 minutes. Those two matches, they they cut them short because they were like, oh, we're going to give Sting and them 28 minutes. I almost feel like that's what yeah. what happened. And it was just like, wh- what are you doing? On paper, like the time outside of the tag big tag match, uh, everyone's time looks like a pretty appropriate if you just look at the time match and the two people there. And then that one, it's like, okay, well... Not 30 minutes here. But like everything else, if you look at the time in it, it's I mean, perfect. Paul Orndorff and the first tag match is 11.45. Yeah. That yeah. works. I'm like, even even like Regal and Steamboat, like I said earlier, like they literally wasted the first five minutes of that match. And, and it, then it just never really kicked in. I will gear. say the other thing with having your like chicken shit smarmy heel, if you're going to have Regal... And Steamboat, and then Austin and Rhodes, who are like all very comparable types of talents, especially Regal and Austin being like very similar type of heels. Mm-hmm. One of those matches needs to be have a like higher work rate, or one of the faces needs to force the other guy's hand because it's just like, okay, well, we just saw this, we just had five minutes taken away from us by this guy doing. I mean, Dustin, Dustin got his stuff in. Yeah. The ending was just so just like abrupt. Yeah, and I think that maybe it, it was abrupt because you expected Dustin to get a fall, and maybe it was abrupt just because you expected him to get a fall. Yeah. I mean, that's very possible. I mean, I, I did. Because you always, you don't ever assume for somebody to go... But like, and it makes too. me wonder, was but like, the, literally, the Austin going over the top rope an accident, or was that part of the... Plan. Oh, I don't know. So, I mean, that's, that's I'd possible. To, I'd have to re- but literally, watch it to remember Dustin, it, how, what it looks like. It'd Dustin's like... on the attack with the clothesline, does, has the mounted punches, and then literally all of a sudden, Stunning Steve like pulls him down to the mat and then rolls him up with tights, like with a handful of tights. It was just like the most like... It seemed like a, a weird rush ending, yeah. yeah. What? Like... He should have done something. He should have done something shittier than pull the tights. A good heel always pulls the tights, baby. Like the pulling of the tights doesn't bother me, but it's it was just, just the fact it that was he, just that so he just a completely yeah. like abrupt. It was like, oh, you, you, like we have to go home now. Yeah. Go do it. And it was just like, yeah, it's one of those where like the ref tells you you've got you know you got seven minutes and left. That okay, been, you know what? Was, end it now. Maybe that was the case, but I don't know why because none of the matches before this really ex- went any more than their expected time. Like. If I were to guess the time of those matches without, like before they happened, pretty close. I probably, I probably would have given the Shockmaster match more time than I wanted to, and then I got lucky because it only it went under two minutes. Yeah, 
So I'm. It could also be maybe some of the the Ric Flair vignettes could be part of that time that we're not thinking about that could have been part of it. Yeah, but I mean, you have those pre-recorded. You know exactly how long those are. So That's very true. You would like to think I, I, that I literally, programming I literally the show. feel like they actually did plan out a thirty-minute nasty boys match. It, it, that's what it makes me feel like. It, like if those two matches had come after the Nasty's Boys match, then I might be like, okay, there was an issue. Cut ten and give five and five to the to two Literally. to 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 those to like either the the give ten the, give five minutes to both those matches to give, both those to matches both Rude and um, and to the Austin Rhodes match. Or I was gonna say even to. Um, the steam boat. I match. mean, there's a 15 minute time limit on that. Yeah, one. but hmm. so I yeah, mean, that's true. I guess because it's the that's I, I part get, of the title. That's part of it. So yeah, that's true. So you're you're right. But yeah, I think that the rude boss man match would have suffered with an extra five. But you know what wouldn't have suffered with an extra five? Probably Vader and and uh, and Rick Flair. I mean, because I my like, biggest that issue, was... my biggest issue with the rude boss is like it, it, it's a fucking sunset flip like rude. It's not even one of Rude's best moves. Like, no. that's just a normal move that everyone does. And it's but like, on the plus side, can you imagine how terrible Big Gold would look on Boss Man? Because it looks the best on Rick Rude. I mean, it looks he, better on Rick Rude than anybody did, else. When that match started, did you actually think the Boss no, Man of any chance not. of winning? Of or not. Because that's the trend. You bring over the newest guy that left WWF, put him in a championship match, have him lose. Yeah, they did it with Jake. They did it with. Oh, hell, they did it with Rude. Yeah, Jake was just lucky to have a fucking job. Who else? Just about any time in his life. So, Davy Boy. That's what I was forgetting. I mean, yeah, Davy Boy. Davy Boy too. Sid came back. Davy Boy, is a real yeah. pain in the ass. <laughs> so it's just and very. Sid sucks. <laughs> at least Davy Boy there, doesn't guys. suck. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. Oh, what did we just do? We did a yeah, lot of it. Like, we yeah. did a lot Sorry, of it. Sometimes we what do that where it's like, say? yeah, it's like, what? Like, I mean, we kind of went through all the We always, always bleed over. It is it is what it is. You all yeah. know the, the drill by now. Give me some best moments of the show. Um, mullet guy. <laughs> I don't know why he stands out as as one of the, the things that I can't forget about this show. And it's just because he's got the perfect 90s bleach blonde. I think they really mullet. did a great job of building up uh, the Rick Flair thing, even though you knew he was going to win, I think that it was a nice ceremony for the man. I agree. I mean, like we said a while ago, that match is the entire show. It's great. And it's a great match. Oh, Cactus Um, Jack, uh, Max Payne uh, flipping Cactus Jack, like Cactus Jack's spot off of his back was really great. Now, I don't love the assassin with the assassin smudge to finish the first match. No. But he's done it before and he's the heel manager for that team and I think Pretty Wonderful is exactly what their name is. Mm-hmm. They're pretty wonderful. Yeah, they're really good and uh, Scorpio, Scorpio and Bagwell are really like, good. Every time we see them they are like, I literally think better. that might be my second favorite match of the show. Um, It's hard because there's a match where Steve Austin and Dustin Rhodes are in the same ring and where Steven Regal and Steamboat are in the I'm same so ring. But those mad. matches I'm don't. So mad at that flat it's, match. it's an expectation thing for us, too, where we're just like, we love all four of these yeah. guys with well, our fucking hearts. Well, it's because we've seen all four of them fight each other at one point or another and yeah. have these intense, amazing Better things. And then tonight, I'll we give, just kind of got. I'll give the underdog award to uh, to Boss. I think that, that Boss and Rude was a really fun match. Like we said, it went nine minutes and we thought it, it felt like it was five. That's a... Uh, 
That's a positive thing to say. I'm not putting it, the match up there on the top or anything. I'm the nice guy, I guess. Vader, <laughs> you are a nice guy. Vader, uh, I loved how vocal Vader was. I thought that was really fun. I don't know if I sold the ending of that main event as well as it was done. I mean, this because is the match that should watch. Because literally, Flair is covering and like... You know how tag team partners will come in and drop an elbow, and the guy moves, yes. and so the person taking the the headbutt pin. looks incredible. So Harley coming in off the top rope with a falling headbutt, and Harley Race is the big bowling ball man that he's he's bigger and every time we see him. He lands on Vader, and that is and, a rough move to do. And that is how Flair gets the roll up is yes. because of he's hurt from the falling headbutt. It's fucking magical. I was just magical. like, that's great. It is, because I don't want to see Vader tap out to a figure four. I I do no, not want that for absolutely Vader. absolutely not. And, like, Vader would be incredibly stupid to agree to that. And this is a, a yeah, I think it's a really good finish. And Rick takes his fucking lumps, got a tooth knocked down his fucking throat. Yeah. And, like, did he... Did he blade on top of that or no? I'm sure he did. I, mean, I, mean, I just don't remember. I remember the, the, I remember the tooth more than the blade because I know. Or actually, he was just bleeding from the mouth. Yeah, yeah, he was, that's yeah. So, so it probably was. He just didn't. Hard yeah, he didn't blade, but uh, Austin is the one blade here. Yeah. Where uh, he yeah totally expected to, to be Dustin. And it yeah. was Austin. So yeah, and then Austin won. So how about most disappointing? I mean, we've kind of the two already, matches that we've talked. Yeah, the two matches we talked about. Is there anything and else? And they're that... disappointing because we expect so much. Exactly. Um, if this was like the first outings with these guys, like their first like bigger matches, and we're like, okay, we've got a taste for it now. I can't wait for them to continue this. But it feels like we've done this enough times that these should be uh, ramping up as opposed to middling out. But that's the thing, though, is the last few ones that we've seen from them, they do seem to ramp themselves up. So it makes sense that they don't quite hit what we're, we were expecting just because you know, they to have do... to have their off night occasionally. It just sucks that they kind of fell on the same time. This is a Starcade where Rick is about to come back home, really. Mm-hmm. He's been back, but now he's like, this is the true... He's like, the real world's champion again. Yeah, this is... Like this, I feel like that. This is Ric Flair's. This is like a crowning achievement in his career at this point. It's one of the I mean, this biggest his, moments he's we've had with him in a long time. Tenth or eleventh? Eleventh. Yeah, this is one of the biggest moments we've had with him in quite a while. That has. I mean, the, he hasn't been champion. We haven't seen him win the belt since the Royal Rumble '92. Yep. that's the last time we saw him win. And the belt. we know how anticlimactic that is. Cool yeah, because he lost happened. the belt on a show that we didn't even get to see. It's cool that it happened, but it's like, oh, he was in the wrong place anyway. Yeah. But, you know, you can't turn back time because Sting never even really got a, a real run. Um, and you know when Sting should have got a real run? When Ric Flair was gone? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys, what the fuck? Have, have Sting and Rude go at it for that belt for a year? Right? Because Rude can, if, like, yeah, Sting not going to... Not going to lead a match, but he can perform well in a match, and I'd imagine that Rick Rude could lead him through that match. It might not be... I mean, we've seen Rick Rude do matches that are comp- comparable with Flair bringing a lower guy to high highest. Yeah. And at this point, Sting's been has done that dance with Rick Flair. Imagine that 
two guys that handsome and uh, one that detestable. Ugh. Uh, for me, most disappointing, I just have to go with the, the still unnecessary match that didn't need to be there, yeah. except for a bathroom break, the Shockmaster Kong match. It was that just... so short, you couldn't even get knock a piss off. Honestly. I, I can't be mad at that match, because, I mean, I think it's more funny, because the wrong Kong got in the, the ring. Yeah. That too. Or at least, like, or maybe it was the right one and they got the wrong gear, or maybe they announced it wrong. Yeah, maybe the Chiron, like, the, like, you know, the stuff on the screen that was wrong. <laughs> but the, who cares? Yeah. Uh, just that could have been done on, on TV without It definitely could have been done on TV. Not been here. But I know we're three like, guys kinda... that had really no storyline whatsoever. Or, I mean, I guess they did technically, but they uh, couldn't live up to it. High point. Bye-bye Texicans. Didn't hate them. Didn't love them. It's room. I, I was just kind of ambivalent to the yeah. Texicans. I mean, I, they didn't ever do anything that was... Terrible. Terrible, but I didn't really they, Yeah, they, they weren't um, the, like, master blasters or whatever. You know when the Road Warriors left I, and every show they tried they came that. on the screen, I wasn't like, oh my god, the Texicans. I was no. just like, okay, cool, whatever. Yeah, it wasn't dance fighting. Yeah. yeah. But... This this show moves really well. By no means do I think that it's a boring show or a labor to get through. It's just that there's a couple things that we know the potential, and we didn't get near enough to the potential. How about best performer of the night? It's it's Flair, right? It's always Ric Flair. Yeah. It's always Ric Flair forever. I mean, you say that about Steamboat, but it's not Steamboat tonight, is it? <laughs> no, but Steamboat... It doesn't put in the work. I feel like Steamboat has never had any confidence in his life, or if he did, it was it ended at WrestleMania divorce. three or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I know I would love to go back and watch pre WrestleMania Steamboat stuff where he's probably still high on himself and thinks that maybe he can be a top guy. And of course, he's got the work rate to do that, but it seems like he just never. It's hard. You can't say he didn't put in the work, but it's kind of like how Rick Martel or Tito Santana, they just kind of like middled out and got bitter with the product, maybe. Like, I it, mean, the problem with Steamboat, the reason why he was never pushed higher is because he has no charisma. We say that, but he's very lovable, and when he wants it in the ring... You can't it's, have your top champion be good. someone that... But he can't talk for shit. He can't talk. talk. He can't talk for shit. That's Especially true. if you, I mean, if you're but a heel, if you're heel and you can't talk, then you can get a manager. They didn't put heels. They didn't put the managers with faces. Yeah, I don't. I love it. They just didn't do face managers. Yeah, had no. Steamboat gone out there and you know yelled woo and you know he did stuff fire. to get the crowd. Yeah, you know? blew fire. But he yeah, that was way later. That was because they were in. trying to put a personality on him. Yeah. Uh, but his personality there. is all inside of the Mini ring. As soon as, as soon as he is outside of those four posts, he is a lame duck. Yeah. But inside those four posts, I don't think that he's a lame duck. Same I think he has charisma in the ring. Had Steamboat showed up at different shows, you know, pulled up on a motorcycle as a leather daddy or or whatever, you know, then then people would have saw different sides of him. But he was always just the the cookie cutter family man. Yeah. How about most surprising? That Steve Austin won two zero. I thought that was pretty wild. Yeah. That like we said, that pin can. But that match was not good. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it's better than a lot of matches that we see today. Man, I think that's the most disappointing for but, me is the matches I was most excited about. I was disappointed with. Yeah, it's when you turn the show on and you're like, all right, and then you I know. see that you, you, they you, call you out. You look at they, this card. You look at this card and you go, okay, we're going to get us a good Starcade. And then I'm like sitting there watching it and I'm just like, it's fine. What? It's fine. What? Like the two matches that were I mean, disappointed. It's better than the Battle Bowls we've had, but. The two <laughs> matches that were disappointed with feel like the matches that should have. That those guys should have had on TV that led up to Starcade, where like they could have had their bangers. Be, those matches, I should be yelling from the rooftops. They're on my short list. Yes, but we've seen, we've recently seen a, a Steve Austin Dustin Rhodes match a couple of shows ago that was a banger. Mm-hmm. This one wasn't. I mean, I've said many, many a times on this podcast that you give me Austin, you give me Rhodes in the ring together anytime, and I'm a happy guy. And they proved you wrong. Thanks, Starcade. I don't think it's not horrendous. It's not horrendous. It's, it's not just... horrendous, but the expectations with those yes, two guys. It is, it, yeah, it is an expectation it, thing for sure. It happens to me all the time. I'm. It's 2021, 20, and the only wrestling I watch religiously is New Japan. Believe me, I know about disappointment. It's a shame because I'm getting the best, the best work rate and better matches than I'm going to get anywhere else. But something's missing sometimes, and and uh, they're not even doing gimmicks. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. This week, the category is the numbers game. The numbers game. Uh-huh. What I say? Savage. Thirteen, maybe. maybe where we have to guess how many times a song is played. 48 states. <laughs> so we're going to give five points for the correct answer. Three points if we go to multiple choice. We buzzing in? Yes. So the question is, it's not a number. It's, one, it's another one of those kind of questions. And the numbers game, that's not a number? It's not a number. Okay. But the answer is decided because of a number. Which wrestler had the most wins... On the shows we covered from episode one to episode 80. Eh, Ric Flair. That is incorrect. Shane, you can go to multiple choice and totally steal my bag. <laughs> I was just like, well, we know Starcade started earlier and uh, how often does Ric Flair lose? But I can't imagine that it's Hogan, but I mean, it's up to you now. I'm bowing mm. out. I'm, I might be a loser, but I'm a bold loser. and 92. And I can't believe last week. I can't believe that I said We're just Brutus. Choice. I'm an idiot. Shane has <laughs> decided to go to multiple choice, and yes, Beefcake was a horrible choice last week. Yeah, I know, because I got them mixed up. They have the same haircut. They look the, they're the same shithead to me. Like, one's a barber and one's Elvis. What are you talking about? <laughs> but you... Okay, so Shane has decided to go to multiple choice. Cat. Your options are Flair, Hogan, Savage, Sting. Damn it. Two of those were already in my head. I it's know, Rick, I know it's, it's not Flair. A. Oh, if it's the other Hogan, one I thought. Savage or Sting. Oh, I don't want to give it to Hogan. Savage has the wrestling classic. He's got Mania 4. Hogan's got two Royal Rumbles and a bunch of Manias and other shows. Sting has... 
a half a championship yeah. <laughs> to his whole career. But then that might just be the trick right there is he looks like the underdog, so maybe it's actually him. But it, we also have the ultimate underdog of all time, Macho Man Randy yeah. Savage, the, probably one of the few total packages that wrestling has ever really gotten. I'm going to say it's not Savage just because, yeah, he had a good WrestleMania 4, but he's lost a lot of other WrestleManias and SummerSlams. Mm-hmm. The man that deserved a belt but didn't need it, Randy Scared. Savage. We'll just go with Old Faithful and say Hogan. Your guess is Hogan, and that is correct. Oh, my yeah. God. I was like, Hogan or Flair, but I was like, I gave it to, <laughs> to Rick. Because maybe it's recency bias from the show we just watched, or maybe it's because I know that Starcade happened twice before WrestleMania. I have a bonus question. Okay, now I have to guess how many times. Price is right rules. <laughs> For two points, how many wins did Hogan have? How many wins did Hogan have? From Closest to the number to without going out. Price is right rules. Do I get to guess? Yeah. Oh, okay. You got your number? 38. I was going to say 54. I was going to say 48, but because I, I made the state joke, but uh, I went to drop it by 10. That's too many, I know. <laughs> yeah, y'all numbers are way too high. I know, I know mine's high. The most matches, remember, was Ric Flair with 37. Uh, so I couldn't remember what the number was. The number was 22. 22. <laughs> I got one more bonus question for you. Okay. And you might want to write this one down. Give me the rest... Of the top five in wins. So you know Hogan is number one. Oh, you're talking just names or numbers? Give me names. Okay. Give me two, three, four, and five. And you get one point for each one you get. Hmm. They have to be in order? No. Okay. I'm not that stickler on <laughs> Let's see. Who's the last name I got to put on here? These are my favorite questions, the number of games ones. <laughs> but that's because I like looking at like stats and stuff and... Figuring out fun questions from them. Yeah. I think I like stats emotionally, but I never think about them. I like, I like it when people tell me them. Like, I feel like me and Chris I, Samson would I be like, really good friends. I like looking at them. Yeah. What do you think, Michael? Beefcake? <laughs> <laughs> you mean Hong Heat Hong Man? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's got four names? Yep. Uh-huh. Okay. Michael, read me off yours. Rick Flair, Randy Savage, Sting, Lex Luger. Chain? I said Flair, Savage, Sting, Perfect. Ooh, I Perfect did cross my mind. Well, you both got two points. Mm. <laughs> who was the Who was the odd man out of the three? You both got Savage and the Sting, because those are obviously the ones that you got both got. Yeah. Sting was number two with twenty one wins, Ooh. so he was only one behind Hogan. Number three was Steamboat. With oh, wins. I did think Steamboat, he did cross my mind. Lex had his run at one point, but it got ruined a few times. And then Savage and Road Warrior Hawk, Hawk. were tied with 19 wins. So Hawk with the pin is the wins you're talking about? Or just LOD wins? Or so single he, wins? So the way I calculate wins, losses, and all that is they had to be on the winning team if it was a winning team uh, like okay. a tag team yeah but or, for survivor series they had to be the survivor oh and for okay. royal rumbles so you, right. you had to be the winner you yeah couldn't, yeah 
you you got a loss. Uh, LOD crossed my mind, but I said, well, I can't pick. But if it was like a eight man tag match, it worked. As long as you're, it it, it wasn't an elimination tag match. Yeah. And your team won, you got to win. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's why the Road Warriors did cross my mind because yeah. for a second, but see, I kept bouncing around between tag team people. I had Hart down first, and it's like no, I had Hart in my head too. Lost a bit. I had uh, Tatanka, Ricky Morton in there, but because I had a feeling it was going to be a Rock and Roll Express or a Freebird or something, because P.S. Hayes had his singles bout there or singles run where yeah, well, I feel like we, we never see enough P.S. Hayes. Yeah, it's yeah. like we never get enough. Freebirds because they were the AWA guys and then they were also big even before territory yeah, shit and pre world class yeah like pre any of the stuff pre or like well not pay per view yeah like of the time like we, we only did. saw one like true Freebirds match yeah I and think that it was, was like AWA that was a G, uh, Great American Bash eighty five or eighty six it was okay. one of the highlight videos so it was literally mm-hmm. a highlight. Of the match. Yeah. So. Oh, I love... Next week, ECW Hardcore TV. Hardcore. From December 28th, 1993. Last show of 93 for us. Whoa. That's crazy. 93 kind of went by fast. We going back to Philly. That's right. We are going back to Philly. Because that's where ECW <laughs> is at. Can we uh, start the this next show with... The Boys to Men song? Motown Philly? Uh-huh. I'm down Back with that. again. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Music from this week's show is Damned by Felipe Falco and Stephane Jolly. And Ric Flair won the main event, so we must play Spatch Zarathustra. It's pretty crazy Strauss. that like the greatest wrestler of all time and the greatest movie of all time use the same theme song <laughs> if you like this episode or any of our others please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes Stitcher Google Play or wherever you find your podcast at if you have any questions comments concerns recipes recipes especially I need help Philly. with Philly cause we go there a lot and I'm running out of stuff but you can always hit those up at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com with any of those or on Twitter at Wrestling HistoX. That's Wrestling H I S T O X. We're going to get to the point on the like ECW Hardcore TV where it's just like a warm beer. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, oh, it's just a, oh, I don't know if, they, if it's a Budweiser or a Miller Town, but it's just like, oh, it's a, it's a warm MGD or a warm, like, just room temperature Budweiser. Mm. Maybe they're a Coors Town, but I doubt it. We'll talk to you next week. Later.